She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 10. Fallen Angel. All right. Had a nap. I'm hopped up on Lucky Charms and coffee. Nice. I'm ready to go. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like you're prepped. Prepped I and am. ready. So this episode was written by Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, and it was directed by Larry Shaw. It was filmed in Vancouver, including the Children's and Women's Health Center of British Columbia, Burnaby and Burnaby Mountain, and the Lower Seymour Conservation Reserve, which is outside of North Vancouver, which last appeared in The Jersey Devil. Nice. Its original air date was Friday, November 19th, 1993. And it had a viewership of 8.8 million in the United States. So I'm thinking people did not like space because <laughs> viewership went back down. This is tied with Shadows for the lowest viewership of season one. However, we are not going to see numbers this low again for like eight years oh, until wow. season nine at the very end of 2001. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So they managed to uh, pull it out. So things are only going to get better. Yay. Nice. That makes sense because I know the show got really popular somewhere around like end of first season and then it just took off. Yeah. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but as we talked about before, viewership tends to lag. It tends to be more based on the previous episode. Mm -hmm. So next episode might have more viewers. We'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, with a name like Fallen Angel, that's a pretty cool name for a title. So, yeah. This should be a good episode. I hope it's a good episode. Is it a good episode? <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. All right. So what is it about? So when Deep Throat tells Mulder about a suspicious crash in Wisconsin that might be an alien spaceship, he has 24 hours to get there before the site is sanitized and there's no evidence left. He runs off to find his UFO and Scully is sent after him to bring him back for an inquest about the X-Files. But Mulder is determined to stay and find the truth. Which might actually be aliens this time. Aliens. <laughs> All right. So, Townsend, Wisconsin, twelve fifty-seven a.m., day one. Ooh, that sounds ominous. So, a deputy sheriff is driving on a country road, and he pulls up along what looks like a fire in the woods. The first thing we see is like a nice framing of some trees and a bright light. And then we see like a whoosh, like a flame kind of flare up. And so that's why he pulls over. He's trying to call on the radio to get like a fire crew out there. And he, he's getting to just a bunch of interference. So he gets out of his car. And then we cut to the U.S. Space Surveillance Center in Cheyenne Mountain, Colorado. And Lieutenant Frazier is telling his commander, Colonel Henderson, that they picked up an unidentified bogey. So they walk over to the radar station and the operator tells them that no object could fly like that because we see an image on the screen and there's this little triangle thing going woo, 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 going just all over the place <laughs> and then she tells them that it crashed near Townsend, Wisconsin and they clocked it going like 800 miles per hour when it crashed so Frazier is about to say like we should notify such and such, such and such and Henderson's like no, it was obviously a meteor, and your report 
will reflect that. So we're like, hmm. <laughs> and then we cut a little bit more and Fraser's standing in the shadows and he pulls out his phone and he calls somebody and he says they have a confirmed fallen angel and they need to immobilize Operation Falcon immediately. And then we cut again back to the deputy and he's walking through the woods with his flashlight and like there's another big flare in the trees. So he's like, man, something's going on. But then there's something moving in the woods and he's like, what is it? And he flashes his light, but he doesn't see anything and he goes away. And then we get this weird point of view thing going right towards him. And then he's like, ah, and there's bright lights and ah, <laughs> and then we get the theme song. Yep. Oh my God, look out sheriff. It's Howard Graves because it's like a predator or it's maybe just like some sentient, invisible, extremely short rave spotlight. I don't know. But yeah, we, yeah, get, the, we, get, the, we get the little inviso blurry thing that was Howard Graves. Yeah. And then we get lots of other stuff too. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it kind of works. I, I know like you had some notes about this later we can talk about, but like. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of works. We can talk about it right now. Again, everybody, less is more on the effects. <laughs> we don't need to see the blurry crap. We don't need to see... I mean, the point of view thing, I'm kind of torn on that because, like, we we keep seeing, like, the Predator cloak thing where it's, like, some invisible, you know, thing that, like, kind of, like, warps the light a little bit. But it's always normal size. But every time we're going to get a POV shot, which we get a lot of in this episode, it's always, like, this fisheye and it's always, like, ground level like a dog right running at somebody so yeah it's a little like i get it you need to show stuff but you don't need to show stuff by spending money which is what they have a problem doing so <laughs> we will get into that yeah oh uh, so speaking of money we go to the budget rest motel which is right outside townsend wisconsin and we basically see news footage of a line of cars that are traveling down a country road and a reporter says officials will not give details on the toxic substance that spilled out of a train. And that spill has prompted the evacuation of the entire population of Townsend, Wisconsin, which is about 12,000 people. So that's a lot of people. That's why there's such a big line of cars. Yeah. And I mean, there's always trains running through the woods. Yeah. So, I mean, that's totally. pretty typical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The train spill story doesn't seem like a great cover story. <laughs> and the toxic substance, like, that's so vague. That can be anything. That's why it works. Yeah, it's true. So then we cut to Deep Throat, and he's with Mulder. And this is a bit of a flashback. And he's telling him about this digital fence around the U.S. that we use to monitor objects in our airspace. And he says that that morning something broke through and crashed into the woods. And he tells him about Operation Falcon. And he says the man leading it is part of a crash retrieval unit. And Deep Throat also says there's probably about 24 hours before the entire area is sanitized and no trace of the crash is left. So Mulder basically has to get there quick. Yeah, because Mulder is the one who stayed in the motel. Right, so he was on watching he's the like, news. Yeah, so he's like prepping his go bag and then he has the flashback about, we get like we get like narration of Deep Throat as Mulder's like getting all his stuff ready, checking his flashlight and all that kind of stuff. And then we get the flashback and then we cut back to Mulder, and then we get the flashback again. Yeah, it's and then we cut back to Mulder. It's like just do forth. it once. Like <laughs> we get it. Deep yeah, editing one hundred and one, guys. You do it a flashback. <laughs> you don't repeat it. You just do it once, and then you come back. So yeah, if you want to make sure Jerry Harden gets all his time, which he deserves, then you just hold the flashback longer, 
and then you cut back to Mulder. Yeah, and everything's good. Yeah, I am wondering why Deep Throat is sending Mulder on this expedition when he totally tried to keep him away from Ellen's Air Force Base. Like, what's yeah. different about this? And I think that is going to bring up, I mean, that brings up some questions about Deep Throat's motivations, which we'll have later in this episode as well. Like, what his purpose is. He definitely has reasons for sending Mulder. I don't know that we find out what they are, but yeah. it is interesting. Yeah. So, then we cut to Mulder's running through the woods. He's all basically like in black block without the hood. He's got like a dark black jacket, black pants, got a black backpack, all that kind of stuff. And he's near Townsend. And there's kind of like a crime scene set up, except for instead of yellow tape, there's like these metal posts that shoot lasers. So like a laser fence, basically. Yeah. High tech. I think in reality, you wouldn't see the lasers unless it's all smoky or something. But anyway, it's TV. So... So he's trying to figure out how he's going to get around this. And then he sees an entire team of military officials, including a big supply truck that are coming in and out of the area. So then we cut to Operation Falcon field headquarters. And this big truck rolls up to the field office, the main base, and a soldier jumps off. And he's told that he needs to check in for live rounds because Colonel Henderson's there. He's not taking any whatever because he's, mm, I'm in charge. And the soldier's like, I thought this was just a drill. And he's like, no, you heard wrong. And so they all jump out of the truck and go do their stuff. And then Mulder has apparently like hung on to the underside of the truck. And so he crawls out from under the truck and then walks around the entire side of a truck and then runs away. And no one sees him do that at all, even though there's a bunch of soldiers around. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. All Mulder's right. stealthy. Totally believe it. Mulder's yes. stealthy AF. Yeah. So then we cut to After Dark, and there are soldiers patrolling the area and, like, through the trees. And Mulder sneaks around them, and he kind of heads into the woods. And there's an area that's all lit up in the trees, so he heads that direction. And as he's creeping through the bushes, he comes upon the crash site. So he's, like, on this ridge, and he's kind of overlooking it. And... There are these men in silver hazmat suits and they're spraying something on the ground and it looks like there's a triangular object embedded in the dirt and it's kind of metallic and I can't tell, I don't remember if there's more than one triangle, but there's definitely I think there's thing. more than one because like, he, yeah, they kind of pan, there's like some obtuse ones and there's some like the cute ones. So it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, pieces I think is what we're probably supposed to be seeing. Right. And so Mulder takes photos of the crash site and while he's doing that a soldier sneaks up behind him and hits him in the head with the butt of his gun yep rifle <laughs> butt to the face Man, yep. they take a lot of blows in this show they do so they take him to a tent and colonel henderson exposes Mulder's film to the light ruin it because again not digital camera right so he can't just take like the chip out and smash it in his fingers he has to pull all the film out in front of the light to make sure and he tells him that he just made the worst mistake of his life and Mulder's like rubbing his face because it's all kind of like abrased from the gun butt, we're assuming. And he says he thinks they knocked out a feeling. And Colonel Henderson says he'll pay the price for putting all his men at risk. And Mulder's like, what's putting men at risk by taking photos? And he's like, you violated a federal quarantine and they're trying to contain an ecological disaster. And Mulder's like, you got a lot of guns and firepower here to fight an ecological disaster. And Henderson advises him to forget what he has seen. 
But then Mulder yelled at him that they both know what's out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Mulder bothers, but <laughs> he does. Uh, yeah, at some time, someone will be like, you're right, Mulder. You're right. And this, let's go talk to the aliens. But not this time. <laughs> not, not this, this time, time, no. Henderson so, is a hard ass. He's got like a scar. He's got a really, actually, it's a really cool scar he's got <laughs> on his lip. Which, I mean, in reality, like the actor who plays him, like, I wonder what happened. Because that's, you know, that must have not been nice. Yeah, probably not. So, yeah. So then they lock Mulder up in this chain link cell. It's kind of like a makeshift series of cells they have. And in the cell next to him, there's this guy with long hair and he's wearing a hat and glasses. And he asked Mulder, he's like, Hey, are you with MUFON? Are you with somewhere else? And this guy is clearly a conspiracy enthusiast. Like he starts talking about aliens. And then he says, when Mulder doesn't respond, he just says, I get it. Trust no one, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and the man introduces himself as Max Fennig. And he's with NICAP, the National Investigative Committee of Aerial Phenomenon. And he asked Mulder, hey, did you see anything? And Mulder still doesn't say anything. So then he's like, yeah, I got nailed like 100 yards from the road. And it's like Roswell all over again. They're not going to tell us the truth. And Mulder just kind of sits there and doesn't respond. Yeah, he's like, when Mulder won't reply, he's like, I get it. Trust no one. Especially <laughs> after what happened to JFK. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no. definitely in that. <laughs> I love him so much. I mean, I, you know, it's Max Fennig, but I love him. I love him. Yeah. Well, and to me, and I already had my picture of what he looked like in my head, and it was exactly what he looked like. So, like, I remembered that. It's also, when I think about the lone gunman, who we haven't met yet, but we will, that's who I think of, even though he's technically not one of them. But, like, I have... Right. I have Max's image in my head for the lone gunman. Right. There is a guy with long blonde hair and glasses yeah. in the lone He's gunman, much more so. like Garth. From Yeah. Yeah. So also when I was a kid, I was like 13 or 14. I totally joined MUFON. <laughs> I had my mom write a check. Cause like, this is back when you couldn't do like online payments and I had to mail it in and they mailed me back like an official membership card. And I got like a newsletter a couple times. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and we should mention, so MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's in Canada, things. right? I don't remember. I think I either joined like NICAP or MUFON at one point. I don't remember which, or maybe it was even some other one. But like, honestly, like I was into this pretty deep for a while. And a lot of these groups actually were considered like suspect by a lot of the really fringe people because they assumed they were like fronts for the government just to keep an eye on people and to give like disinformation, which I mean, was a thing that actually happened. Like the whole MJ 12 thing was, you know, a government feeding that to MUFON and that was a fraud just to. Right. But he also mentioned Psycop and he calls them that new group Psycop, which is the committee for the scientific investigation of claims of the paranormal which also published Skeptical Inquirer, which okay. I also subscribe to, along with like the 14 Times and Science News and Omni, which gets a shout out later. But PSYCOP was actually founded in 1976. So not really like a new group, but, <laughs> but like it included like James Randi and Joe Nickel and Carl Sagan and Philip J. Class and Isaac Asimov. Like they were all like members, fellows, all that kind of stuff of PSYCOP. So and then they're now the Center for Skeptical Inquiry, which exists under the umbrella of the Center for Inquiry. So nice. they're now CSI, and they exist under the grouping of CFI. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely heard about them. There's other podcasts I listen to about like 
skeptical stuff and they do mention that so yeah because it's it's psychop but it's csi yeah so yeah and by the way scott bellis who plays max fennig is a vancouver local i guess the casting director said that she has a lot of pressure to hire people from los angeles or she had a lot of pressure but they would hire local actors when they knocked it out of the park. So I guess Scott Bellis really knocked it out of the park. And he is, he does such a good job in this episode. Like I love him completely. Yeah. I'd have to say though, I guess they ran out of those silver eye drops to make you forget stuff. Cause they didn't give those to Mulder this time. Yeah. Well, I think that's a different department. I think that's a more. Sinister... Oh, that's the silver eye drop department. Yeah. The, not the reach. You guys who are walking around with their blue vials of Zydrate and their silver eye drops and. Yeah. Creepy medical stuff. Cool. So we, well, we fight out it's the next day because there's bright light as the door opens and Mulder like just kind of like rubbing his eyes because like, oh, so he's kind of woken up and in walks Dana Scully. Yay. And so Mulder makes a joke about not ordering room service. But Scully is not having it right now. And she tells him it's not funny. So Mulder goes to introduce Max to her, but Max is gone. His bed's empty. So Mulder's like, oh, they must have released him because he didn't really know anything. So Scully tells him that Section Chief McGrath has gone over Blevins' head and has ordered a full review of the situation. And they have to go to an inquest because they are going to shut down the X-Files and Mulder has to testify. And Mulder's like, oh, what else is new? So Scully is like totally frustrated with his attitude because like, why are you running off doing stuff? You know, you're going to get fired, whatever. So she's like, you didn't see a UFO and you didn't see a toxic train spill because it's actually a Libyan jet armed with a nuclear warhead that crashed and the plutonium casing may have cracked. And so they're trying to avoid mass panic. And Mulder laughs. He's like, oh my God, really? Is that what you think this is? And Scully totally believes it because it's highly classified. And Mulder says, yeah, it's a highly classified lie. So again, disinformation. (laughs) He says, they're looking for someone. Who are they looking for? And Scully's like, well, probably the pilot. And Mulder's like, no human could have survived the crash that I saw. And she's like, well, maybe he ejected. Mulder's like, yeah, no. Why don't don't you do me? I don't know. Just kind of, we don't see it, but he's totally rolling his eyes. She's totally rolling her eyes. Right. Like they are definitely on different pages. Right. Well, and I think she's just super frustrated because she wants to protect Mulder from himself. Like McGrath wants Mulder fired from the Bureau. Like he's creating this inquest because not only does he want to shut down the X-Files, he wants Mulder out. Like he's done. This is the last straw. I'm not sure why this is the last straw, but apparently it's a good enough excuse for them to get rid of him. And so, and he's like sitting there making jokes and like he ran off. And so Scully's mad and I get it. Like she's trying to help him and he's just like, he's so stubborn. Down with the matriarchy. Okay. Mulder (laughs) can take care of himself. (laughs) And um, Howard Gordon also said a huge part of this episode's purpose was kind of to remind viewers what Scully's role is that she's there to debunk the X-Files and kind of justify getting rid of them. So that's her job and that's her role. But also she, as a character, is trying to protect Mulder. I guess. I mean, I will say she is kind of unlikable in this episode. And that's probably like just the writing to make her seem like more of, you know. Yeah, I don't think so. Kind of thing. I love her in this episode. 
I don't think she's unlikable at all. I think she's frustrated with Mulder's bullshit. Well, I said she's. I said she's kind of unlikable. Which, so, I mean, especially in comparison to previous episodes, right? Like, and I, I just this think is, she's, this is much. This is much more like first act of pilot Scully. Yes, it is. Well, and she's. I think because now she's having to go to this inquest, so she's being questioned, and then. You know, Mulder's just not taking it seriously, and so she's just super frustrated. But I don't think, to me, that doesn't make her unlikable. It just makes her under a lot of stress with this guy who's not taking it seriously because he's so determined to find aliens, which I'm on Mulder's side. I want to find the aliens, too, but I get why Scully is super frustrated about the whole yeah. thing. I think it's just it's, it's a very dramatic turn from what we've had in the last few episodes because it's definitely going back to early pilot and it just seems like a total like turn like why are you suddenly being all crabby scully i don't you know but anyway because Mulder's gonna get his butt fired and she yeah knows but it. Mulder doesn't Mulder's like <laughs> dude the fact that i haven't got my butt fired is like you know <laughs> a miracle already it so. is it is he's already pushed a lot of buttons yeah so he knows he knows what he he, he is fully aware of what's going on so it's true yeah yes but so we cut to the woods and we're at the red laser perimeter again. And there is an invisible figure that we can see. I'm doing finger quotes in case you couldn't guess that approaches the laser fence. And then we cut to its point of view, which again is like at the ground level, even though we saw the little ghosty person like is full height and they see a military truck roll by. And then it just like, boom, just goes through the, the lasers and we get a little and then it takes off and is running down the street all through its point of view yeah so then Mulder and Scully walk through the parking lot of a motel I guess it's probably the same motel and Scully says they have to be back in DC for the hearing tomorrow morning at 10 a.m and Mulder's like great that gives us 24 hours which is not the reaction she wants and she's just like never is She's like, my assignment was to bring you back, not help you dig yourself in deeper. And they open the door and Mulder's room is trashed. Like the phone is off the hook. Everything is pulled out. Every drawer is pulled out. Stuff is tossed everywhere. And then they hear someone in the bathroom. So they draw their guns. And well, Scully draws her gun because Mulder actually goes to reach for a gun and then realizes he doesn't have one anymore. Oh, right. (laughs) So I think they kept it. Yeah. But Scully draws a gun and they burst into the bathroom and they find someone climbing out the window, and it's Max. It's Max. Yeah, it's very, it's very cartoony because like just his legs <laughs> are sticking out the window, just like all flailing, like he's, he's like, stuck, hanging yeah. there. It's, it's a small bathroom window. <laughs> Wasn't the best exit plan. Max doesn't strike me as the guy who has the best exit plans, to be honest. And he apologizes, and then it kind of cuts to them, and they've got Max sitting on the bed, and he's like, "I'm sorry. I just have. I had to know if it was really you." And Mulder's confused because they just met. And Max says NICAP has been following Mulder's career with the X-Files for years. Like, his travel expenses are a matter of public record. Yeah, so, they've been doing FOIA requests. Yeah. yeah. Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. So they've been, like, requesting his records. And they know who Scully is, too. And Max even saw Mulder's photo in a publication because Mulder had been publishing under a pseudonym, which was M.F. Louder or Luder? M.F. MF Luder. M.F. Yes. Luder, which is an anagram for Mulder. Yeah, for F. Mulder. For F. Mulder. And so I I know how letters work (laughs) sometimes. And Mulder says that he didn't think anyone was paying attention. And Max says, someone's always paying attention, Mr. Mulder. Yeah. 
So MF Luter's article was in Omni Magazine. Yay, nice. Omni Magazine, about the Gulf Breeze incident, which I remember the Gulf Breeze incident. And I obviously remember how obviously fake it was, but yet it was really a big thing, like in UFO circles at the time. Was it? So I may have already been like turned at that point. Yeah. I don't remember that one, but I probably read about it on the internet. Yeah. So Max does say something on here that you like. I did. Well, he's like the enigmatic Agent Scully, which yeah, enigmatic. It's just such a, he's like the enigmatic Agent Scully. And it's just like, yeah, he's, he's sitting so on the bed and he starts to get up. He's like, oh, and this must be the enigmatic Agent Scully. And then Mulder like pushes him back down the bed because Scully like doesn't like, she, like she wasn't going to shake his hand. Like, She's not impressed that. at all. I love no. him. Scully doesn't. Yeah. And then, so then Max says he has something in his camper trailer that he needs to show them. And so they're walking out and Mulder's like enigmatic Dr. Scully, like just kind of like, you know, giving her a jibe. So I don't know how medical school works because I'm not a doctor, but I do remember that Scully mentions in pilot that she was recruited out of medical school. And I always just took that as the fact that she didn't do her residency because residency happens after medical school and then after your residency is when you technically become a doctor right like you actually have to like work in the hospital you know do those like super long shifts and all that kind of stuff and so i just assumed she never finished her residency so she wasn't really a doctor so either this episode i mean obviously i'm assuming things right but i'm assuming i'm again i'm going to assume that this episode is basically trying to retcon her into being a doctor or maybe just clarifying that she is a doctor so that she can have more cred when she's doing autopsies and diagnoses and stuff. Right. And then, and then also, I mean, Mulder, he's, he's kind of like, you know, elbowing her when he's, I mean, he doesn't not physically elbowing her, but kind of like, you know, maybe he was doing like a Dr. Watson thing. Maybe oh, like, maybe. You know, yeah. Paraphrasing like Max. Yeah. Cause Max says agent Scully, but he's like Dr. Scully. <laughs> so, you know, or maybe both. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know how that works either, but yeah, I think if you're maybe, maybe when she said she was recruited out of medical school, she meant she was doing her residency cause she was still, she was like just out of medical school, but she was not quite, you know, there yet. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we will get some clarification later. Yes. But that does mean she's older than what we think she was. Right. Because like we did all the math before about like if you go to school and then go to medical school, you should be this old. So she's a little bit older. So she's probably really close to 30 at this point. And I think you actually like read that she's supposed to be, I guess, 29 at this point. Yeah, well, according to the official guide, her birthday is February 23rd, 1964. Okay. So that would make her about 29. I admit, I don't read any of that kind of stuff in those books. I just look at the episode guides. <laughs> like they have all like the, the bios of the characters and the right. actors. And well, like, I just looked it up because you were, care. it was in your notes how old she was. And I'm like, yeah. well, it says right here. And this guy talked to Chris Carter for all this. So I'm assuming yeah. this is pretty accurate. Although he does say something later that isn't true, but anyway, so, <laughs> but yeah, so they, like I said, they're following Max out to his camper. He's got like, you know, the silver camper thing attached yeah, to the station wagon. I forget what those are called, like Aero something. They're not cheap though. They're yeah. Nice I read this. I read that they called it a streamliner. But streamliner. Yes. But I think those are definitely a brand. Yeah, and I'm not is. sure that this is one of those. It's just like the basic, like super shiny. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, there were a lot of knockoff. Like, like those became super popular, so a lot of people were making them. Yeah. But it's that kind of like rounded, looks almost like like a like a Flash Gordon spaceship sort of yeah kind of thing, and it's just shiny silver, and then hooked up to a station wagon. So, and inside, he's just got like UFO stuff everywhere, and pictures of aliens, and books, and pictures of UFOs, and like paper mache 
UFOs and aliens hanging from the ceiling and all this kind of stuff. And so, like, Scully's walking around looking at stuff, and he's talking to Mulder about some UFO sightings in crop circles. And Mulder's like, oh, those are obviously fake. And he's like, how do you know? And he's like, blah, blah, blah. I keep up on the material. And he's like, oh, very good. And then Scully sees that Max has a lot of prescription bottles. And she's kind of like, hmm. And we do see two medications that I will go into Yes. I almost wrote those down, so I'm kind of glad you did, because yes. I almost yes. did, and then I was like, eh. But anyway, so Mulder's kind of like, Max, I thought you had something you wanted to show us, right? So obviously, like, the stuff Max has been showing him isn't what he really wanted to show them. So he's like, okay, this is the Wolf Ear 2000. It's the same kind of radio that the CIA uses. And so he can find broadcasts. He's just like a thousand channels per second. Just, you know, it scans all kinds of stuff. It's basically like a super police scanner. Right. It is. And so he plays Mulder a tape. So he must auto record stuff, I guess. He plays Mulder a tape of the deputy trying to call in. So we hear the audio that we got in the opening scene. And then 45 minutes later, we get audio of the fire crew that calls in a man down. And on it, someone is like, it's really bad. It's really bad. And, but the audio starts to break up and get kind of weird a little bit. So kind of like what the deputy was having trouble with. He was contacting people. You know, it was all kind of like, Rear. and he's like, it's very bad. And then I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And everyone's like, uh-oh, what happened? Because it definitely like something happened to the fire crew as well. Right. What we're guessing from this audio. And then we cut to Henderson on the phone to somebody and he's saying, like, don't worry, we've got traps set up everywhere in the woods. Although the alien already is gone from the woods because we saw it go through the laser fence. But anyway, and it will not get away. Not this time. So, mm-hmm. like, he's, talk- he's like saying, like, they're sifting the dirt and everything. So. Yeah, I wrote that down yeah. and then I was like, no, that- I must have misheard that until I deleted it. Because I'm like, why would they be sifting the dirt? Yeah. But yeah, he I does imagine say that's that. Like, hi- I imagine that's like hyperbole. Like, we're just uh, going through this with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> right. We're not really using a comb. But yeah, it's like, it's not going to get away this time. Right. It's going to. But anyway, yes. <laughs> not going to. So, so, t- so there's like probably like half a dozen prescription bottles on Max's little shelf there. Yeah. Although I don't but, know how many of them, like, so I take a lot of prescriptions, which is probably too much information. Yeah. But some of them may have been old bottles. Yeah. I was going to say like, it could medicine. just be like yeah. discards or ones where he like has refills ready to go or something, especially if he's traveling around a lot, he yeah. might just have but the, extras. But the two that we see, so one is an, I'm going to, these are medicine, so I'm going to mangle the names on these. But one is Melril, and what we can see on the label is Melril, 50 milligram dosage, take one, and then, you know, it curves. We don't see the whole thing, so we lose some text. And then we get times a day, twice, and then we lose text, and then time. So Melril is for schizophrenia, and the initial dose you'd want to take is 50 to 100 milligrams every eight hours and then you would take anywhere from 200 to 800 milligrams a day divided over every six hours every 12 hours so you'd be make, taking 200 to 800 total but you'd be taking it either like anywhere from four to two times a day wow that's a so, lot yeah so he's got a dosage of 50 milligrams so 
if anything, he's taking a pretty low dose because that would, if he was, even if he was taking it four times a day, which we don't know because that part of the text is missing. Although it does say twice and then we get something else. So I'm not sure. But even if he was taking it four times a day, he's taking 200, which is like the lowest level you would get. Right. And then, but it's also prescribed for depressive disorders. Right. And then you would take 25 milligrams every eight hours. So like three times a day. And then they also make tritate, which is just fancy medical word where they'll like, they'll change your dose to figure out what works best for you. Oh yeah. And so, and so you could take anywhere from 20 to 200 milligrams a day. So later we will find out that this medicine apparently is exclusively used for schizophrenia. It's not. It I don't think she says well. exclusively. I just think no, she points she does out. Does say she? Exclusively. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was thinking it definitely could be used for like, I mean, I've never taken it, but I was looking at it and I was like, that could probably be used for depression too. Like, we don't know what his deal is. Yeah. No, but she does say he's taking like, I can't. Uh, she calls it an I, antipsychotic, which yeah, I don't know says, if that's an appropriate she says he's term. Taking, but. He's taking extremely powerful antipsychotics that are only used for that. They're right. used exclusively for schizophrenia. But it could just so. be used if the guy has depression or something. You don't know. Right. So. Yeah. You don't know, Scully. Maybe you should have finished that residency. <laughs> yeah. So that was my comment later, too. And we'll get to that. It's like, hey, Dr. Scully, that you magically know what all medicines are for and how much you should take because you're a pharmacist as well. Right. Okay. But so the other medicine is Delantin. I'm not sure how you say that. Delantin. That sounds right. Delantin. That's not, and that one says take one capsule. And then we miss some text. Day after meals, we miss some text. And then it has 100 milligrams at the bottom. And this is an anti-seizure, anti-convulsive drug. Right. And that one you normally take 100 milligrams three times a day for maintenance. And you would take anywhere from 300 to 400 milligrams per day. And possibly increase to 600 milligrams per day if necessary. So if you have really bad seizures. Right. So on that one, he is probably taking the right amount. Because yeah. 100 milligrams, it does say after meals. If So if you assume <laughs> meals a day, he is taking it three times a day. Right. So, yeah. So now we know Max's so, drug history. So Dr. Nick tells you <laughs> that one medicine, he's taking it properly, and one medicine, maybe not. But we'll find out. Or we won't. Either way. And I'm not a real doctor. so No. Not, neither of us are doctors. Works. Yeah. And I don't have any personal experience with either medication. So no, don't know much about it. So then we cut to the Mill Road High School. And this is the emergency evacuation center for people who obviously have been evacuated from Townsend. And this is at 6 27 p.m and this is day two day two right because day two obviously started when Mulder woke up yeah it's so. been day two uh so Mulder and Scully visit the high school and they're there because they know the widow of Deputy Wright is there and so they approach her and she just wants them to leave her alone like she's already talked to the cops she says she doesn't know anything she's probably talked to the military officials she's probably tired of being questioned and they don't really leave. And so then she does kind of mention that the government won't even release her husband's body so she can give him a proper burial. So she's super upset. And Scully's like, well, the government can't do that. We can appeal that. And Miss Wright says she can't do anything because they basically threatened to withhold her husband's pension if she speaks to anyone. So she can't say anything. She can't do anything. She's being strong armed and can't really fight it. And then the lights go out at the evacuation center. Yep. Bad acting alert. Bad acting alert. Bad <laughs> acting alert. And then we get a high-pitched signal because it's a bad acting alert. No, really. But no, that's like her last scene before the lights cut out is like, and I have a child to take care of. That was <laughs> awful. Oh, my God. Yes. I didn't notice. Yeah. But yeah, basically they're like, you say anything, we're going to 
you're in trouble. Yeah, she doesn't have a yeah. choice, basically. Yeah. I actually thought they were going to say they were going to take her kid away because the kid, like, the whole time, the kid is just, like, like throwing his baseball in his hand, just, like, oblivious to everything. Like, <laughs> but, yes, but we do get – it probably wasn't a bad acting alert, but we do get a high-pitched signal. So we're at the U.S. Microwave Substation B-21. And Henderson has some headphones on, and ah, he takes them off because the signal's in his ears. And we're getting an extremely high-frequency signal, 200,000 megahertz, says the guy next to him. And the thing they're searching for has set off an alarm. So I don't know if this is the alarm from when it broke through the laser fence or if it's another alarm. I think it's a different one because now it's like we'll find out it's like in a building. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I mean, I would have thought that would have been like the laser fence one, but that happened a while ago in the daytime and is now nighttime. Right. So, but anyway, they pinpoint it to a location. And so they send in the team, boom, or rim on search and destroy. So the soldiers burst into this weird, it looks like a parking structure. Basically. It does. But yeah, but there's some structure out in the middle of the woods that is made of concrete and is kind of big and looks like a parking garage. So they're looking for it and they can't find anything. One of the guys, so this is the dudes all in black who showed up on the truck that Mulder snuck in on. So I don't know if they're supposed to be like special forces or whatever, but they're everyone else is pretty much in camo except for Henderson. But these are the dudes in black. And there's one guy named Jackson who is hilariously terrified the entire time while they're searching for this alien. His like eyes are bugged out and his mouth is open the whole time while he's like holding his gun, looking around. Yeah, well, I mean, they arrived for a quote-unquote drill and then got told. Yeah, but he is hilarious. Also probably bad acting, but it's like hilariously bad acting. Yeah, he is pretty so, freaked out. Yeah, he's pretty funny. So then we get the POV of, because like they're looking and like, haven't you seen anything? They're like, nope, nope, nope. They're splitting into two, one on each side of the building. And then we get the POV of the alien and it's running up to the, it's, you think it's going to get Jackson, poor Jackson, but it runs past Jackson and his dude and then heads to the other two guys. And then, ah, bright light flashing. Ah, ah. We get a cool, like, very, like, where the dude's, like, shaking his head really fast, uh, kind of thing, which I thought was funny. But yeah. And then we find out the substation is, like, 100 yards from where, like, the headquarters is because, like, we see the bright light flashing and, like, Henderson's on his phone and like behind him the guys are looking over a fence and we see all the lights going off right the attack so they're like, they're like right there the alien could have took out Henderson and then it'd be fine so, <laughs> I think it was funny it was like oh we found the location send the whole team and they, they was like like just kind of like walked over there it took them like two minutes they were right or, it was right there so yeah it was pretty close so then we cut to the county hospital in Townsend Wisconsin and it's eleven forty-two p.m. And Mulder and Scully are there asking the doctor about, like, what happened to Deputy Wright. And the doctor doesn't tell them anything at first, but then finally he admits that he saw the deputy and three others from a fire crew brought in. And they were all DOA with, like, fifth and sixth degree burns over 60% of their bodies. And Mulder asked if it could have been caused by ionized radiation or ionizing radiation. And the doctor says it could have been. But as they leave, Scully argues that radiation could still be the result of like a warhead. So that theory or that story could be true. And if they don't make this hearing tomorrow, there's not going to be any more X-Files. So they basically need to get back. Yeah. So Mulder gets the guy to talk by saying like, what are they holding over you, Dr. Oppenheim? Which is kind of nice little. 
like, are they holding your medical license or is it like tax stuff? And so then the doctor's like, I hate fascists. And I'm like, me too, buddy. Me too. Right. Cause he talks about how like they came in and bossed everybody around and took the bodies before they could do, you know, pathology on them. And then when they talk about the burns, Scully mentions something about like whether they were stiff or not. I don't even know what terminology she used. I can't remember. Rigidity was, or something. Yeah. Like rigidity of the burns or, lividity, or something like that. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, how, how do you know about that? And she's like, oh, I did my residency in forensic medicine. So we get the answer. She apparently did do her residency. So. Yeah. yeah. Or at least part of it. So she is a doctor, which means, again, that she's older. So like you said, we found, we find out, you know, because we actually looked up the paperwork that she actually is 29. Anyway, so like you said, they're arguing about it. Mulder's like, no, I have records of it being like people who have close contact with UFOs and these kind of burns. And then she mentions like, well, that's all nice and well, Mulder. But if we don't get back, you ain't going to have no X-Files. So they're getting ready to leave. But then we see as they're arguing, people are like running past them in the hallway, like towards the exit as well. And we find out why, because there's a whole group of soldiers being brought in on stretchers and they're all burned and red and raw and making like I'm dying faces and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Colonel Henderson walks in with his hands behind his back chum, 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 and gives Mulder this look of like, hmm, you're still around. And so Mulder and Scully rush back into the ER where the men are being treated and Mulder starts arguing with Henderson that whatever they're chasing is forcing it to attack by chasing it. And Henderson tries to get them to leave. But then the doctor, like, now that he's got, like, no, I'm, I'm in it now. Screw this, fascist. And he's like, no, you might be in charge out on the field. But when we're in here, I'm in charge. Unless you don't want me to treat your men. And so he's like, he's like fine, get these people out of here. He's like, no, she's a doctor. She's staying. And he's like, fine, get this guy out of my face. And so they take <laughs> Mulder away. And Scully's like, okay, like, where do I scrub up? So she takes her coat off. And she's all getting ready. So, yeah. So it must have gone on a rampage because we only saw it attack two of the dudes in black, but like four of those guys they wheel in are like wearing camo. Right. So, so I think we're supposed to have... assume there was more guys like outside on the perimeter or something and probably got attacked on its way out. Yeah. I'm still not sure what the dudes in black are supposed to be. Like if they're supposed to be like special forces or what? I don't know. But they're, I mean, they're wearing those same uniforms like the MPs from Deep Throat War and that the SWAT team in the Jersey Devil War. Right. So, gotta get their money's worth. I guess. Because, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about money again later. <laughs> so Mulder goes back to the motel and he knocks on Max's trailer and then there's no answer. So he opens the door, which is, I guess, unlocked. And he finds Max on the floor seizing. So he kind of leans down and holds him. And then when it stops, Max is disoriented and he doesn't really know who Mulder is at first. And so... He, he starts to come around again and Mulder gets him a glass of water and Max is like, well, I couldn't have had a seizure. That's impossible. I take medication and I haven't had one in like seven years. And Max doesn't want to go to the hospital. He's like, no, I've had epilepsy since I was 10. I tend to black out during the seizures. So Mulder kind of helps him into bed and kind of talks to him a little more about his experience with the seizures. And then as he gets him into bed, Max kind of rolls over on his pillow and Mulder notices there's like something behind Max's ear. Like it's either, you thought it was a scar. I thought it was like something implanted under his ear. Like it's like this weird little triangle shape. And it yeah, does I think it's supposed of, to be a, yeah, I think it's supposed to be like an angle. It's like a, like a right angle. 
Yeah, and it is puffy, like a scar. So it does have that puffy scar tissue, but it could be something like embedded under there too. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be a scar because then later we're going to see that Mulder has photos of people who have it. I just think like, unlike Kip's ear, this makeup wasn't as well done because it looked really, yeah. It looked looked, looked really gross for being a scar, which is why I could see why you would maybe think it was something in there. It looked looked almost like he has an eye swarm in his ear, but he doesn't. Yeah, it's like behind his ear where his glasses go, which Max must know about because if you wear glasses, I wear glasses. Like, you touch that part of your head a lot. So he's got to know it's there. Yeah, well, then also he's talking about how, like, because, like, he started having epilepsy when he was 10, and they thought maybe he suffered some head trauma, and he's like, I don't remember having any head trauma. Right. And then he talked about how, like, during his seizures when he was a kid, he would wake up in weird places and not know how he got there. Yes. And I'm like, okay, you're, like, a UFO, like, enthusiast, and you wear glasses, and you've got this giant-ass scar behind you. I mean, I get the smallest little pimple behind my ear. I'm like, oh, crap, what is that, right? And so, like, but he doesn't notice it's back there. He and might he know. Does, so we don't know if he knows it's back there or not. But if he does know, he must know about the other people who have those same kind of scars because it's UFO phenomena. And so wouldn't he have some, yeah, I don't know. But anyway. I don't know. Maybe he's thought about it. And maybe he just doesn't want to commit to it because you don't, you know, you don't know. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't want to tell a stranger, <laughs> even Mulder, that and, maybe he suspects. And, I mean, and, this, and this makes more sense than like trying to explain why like he's showing his underwear to Mulder to see the two dots on his back. So, yeah, we'll go with the ear scar. Okay. Yeah. I do have to say, though, Mulder, like you don't try and restrain someone who's seizing. You just make sure they're safe. Right. Which... their head. You let them do what they yeah. need to do you just make sure they're like nothing's gonna they're not gonna hurt themselves or hit themselves on anything or something's gonna fall on them you don't like basically like almost try to choke them out yeah like, well like, he tries seizing. to still him which i think is like a natural reaction if you're around someone who's having a seizure is to try and like hold them so it stops which is obviously not the right thing and he's not a doctor but i, right. I can get why he does it because it just i mean that would be if i didn't know better that would obviously be my reaction or i don't yeah, know why that's obvious like, but that would probably be my reaction yeah because you could actually do like you know, muscular damage yeah. or like even skeletal damage, depending on how strong they're seizing. Right. So, so yeah, you just want to make sure they're not going to bang in anything and hurt themselves. Basically. Scully needs like, to give Mulder a, a little bit of a lesson on how that works. Yeah. Cause she's like super doctor. She is. So, she's super doctor yeah, Scully. She's super. She's doctor. the enigmatic Dr. Scully. Yeah. So anyway, we find out that, Oh look, Mulder does have a folder full of photos with people with similar scars to Max. And he's looking at them. And then Scully comes back. She was at the hospital, right? And says that last night was terrible. So obviously, new day, we're thinking, right? Because it was like, what, 11 something at night when they were at the hospital? Yeah, so this is like really early in the morning. It's like light out, but I think it's really, really early. Yeah, so she's like, it was horrible. Only two of the men survived, and they've been sent to John Hopkins. So she's like, we have a plane to catch because we need to get back for that hearing. And Mulder's like, I want you to look at Max's ear first. He's got this scar. And this is the same scar that lots of people who have been abducted by UFOs have. And I want you to look at him. And she's like, Mulder, he's taking powerful antipsychotics that are only used for schizophrenics. And he's probably delusional. And she's just kind of like, no, I'm not doing this. And Mulder's like, he doesn't think he's been abducted. I think he's been abducted. Will you please look at him? And she's like, 
all right, fine, just go pack. And so this is where I'm kind of getting that, like, she's unlikable because she's just like, no, 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 no. And she's, like, making assumptions about, again, like she did with Wilczek, of how, like, he believes something. It's like, no, I believe this. They don't. Like, right. stop making assumptions about people based on your biases, Scully. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting that, like, she's kind of unlikable, I think, mainly from this scene. Right. Like, well, and just... I do like that they kind of take that trope and turn it on its head. Like, it's not that he's some schizophrenic who believes in aliens because of his mental illness. It's this guy who has a mental illness, but he's also clearly into aliens, but he doesn't think he's, like... And he's not going around going, I've been abducted. It's Mulder who thinks he's been abducted. So I, I thought that was a good twist on it. And also, we don't know he has schizophrenia. Like you said, he could just have depression, which many, right. many, many people do. And yeah. even people with schizophrenia are not necessarily delusional. But Scully, I think, right. so I get that being not, not a super great moment for her. I think that she's just really frustrated because Mulder keeps finding reasons not to go back. And like now they've got like hours before they have to be in front of this inquest or he's going to lose his job. She's going to be reassigned and it's basically over. So like they have to get back. And so I think she just doesn't have any patience for it left. And she's like, we got to go, buddy. We can't do this anymore. Yeah. She's wearing a cross in this episode, by the way. Yes, she does. So, yeah, so reinforcing her possibly like Catholic adjacent. Which there's an episode the about her dad this season, which I think that comes up a lot. Okay, yeah. Because we assume like cause she's the godmother of someone that we found out in Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, maybe she's Catholic or, you know, Catholic adjacent. So I don't know. Do you have to be Catholic to be a god? No, I know lots okay. of people who aren't even particularly religious that have godparents for their kids. So I don't think that's a thing. But I think she does have some religious connections. Cause I remember a little bit about that episode with her dad. And I think that does come up a lot in that episode. Okay. Yeah. I just, in that scene, cause they focus a lot on her looking at Mulder yeah. kind of like maybe a little bit unlikable. And then she kind of softens when he's like, you know, will you please just look at him? Right. She kind of softens and agrees. And it's like it's kind of yes. prominent there. Yeah. Again, I think it's just, she's trying to protect him from himself. Like he's trying to, he's worried about the alien. She's worried about Mulder losing his job. Like she cares more about that than whatever's running around in the woods. And yeah. she's trying to make Mulder care more about that. And he is not. No, I get it. It's just, I think a lot of it is like, just like, like I said, this scene, but then also I think it's just a big jump from, previous episode it's like a real like a total like switch of care like she's going like they're like oh you know what remember this she was actually supposed to be doing this and so we need to make her do this again yeah we need her to oppose him more yeah it just seems like a big character change suddenly it didn't seem that big to me because i think she still respects him and i think that a lot of it comes down to the fact that she really likes Mulder, and i think she really likes working with him and she knows that Maybe obviously she, loves him. she might she she might eventually I, I don't know now seems a little early for that to be the <laughs> truth but i i think hey, that, the truth is out there <laughs> but i think she i think it is like she is she wants to keep this going and if he's gonna screw it up <laughs> by not okay. getting back in time okay so anyway so, <laughs> yeah so we cut back to command central where we first saw the radar about the aircraft right so right and, and part of the opening scene, because the opening scene was both deputy sheriff, right? Right. And then we had the radar scene. So we're back in the command center in Cheyenne Mountain. And they've got a much larger craft this time. And Frazier's like correcting her. And he's like, meteor. And she's like, we've got a much larger meteor this time. 
And so then they get, she gets something in her headset and she's like, it's also being tracked by some other place. And he's like, well, what is it doing? She's like, well, the meteor seems to be hovering over a small town in Wisconsin. And she's kind of got that little, (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Meteors don't hover. So you're wrong, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. So I did notice in this scene and then I went back and checked and you can kind of see it in the original scene. So Lieutenant Frazier has a security clearance two on his badge. And then I went back. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Henderson has. Henderson also has a security clearance two badge in the opening scene, huh. which seems a little low considering Mulder needed a level five to get into Wilczek's house after he was arrested in Ghost in the Machine. Right. Well, this is the alien division. That was the government trying to steal technology division. Oh, maybe in alien (laughs) division land, the numbers are backwards. And so Henderson almost has the very top one. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Go in reverse order. Or maybe it's like military clearance versus FBI clearance. I don't know. But yeah, I just thought it was like, oh, clearance too. Cool. Hey, I wonder what. And then it turns out Henderson had the exact same thing. Right. So then we cut to Max's outside Max's trailer. And we're getting the, the POV again and like it's up on, but it's up on top of the trailer. And then it apparently like goes through the top of the trailer, just like phases through the metal and it's in Max's trailer. And then it comes up on Max. And then we get a shot of Max from not the POV and his ear is like swelling up with blood and then draining out of his ear. That's nice. And then he opens his eyes and there's a flash of light and the screen goes white and it's time for commercial. Oh. Yep. Commercial no breaks. Max. Max. Yep. So we go back to Mulder and Scully at the motel and they pack the car and then Scully and Mulder go to Max's trailer so she can go they ahead and check. They just missed the alien. It was just there. They yeah. missed it. Yeah. Bad timing. It was right outside the whole time. So they go in so Scully can check it. And Max is gone, but there is like blood on his pillow. And his radio receiver happens to be going off, which thank you, plot device. And Mm -hmm. they hear about an unidentified trespass and it lists the location. So they basically either assume Max is there or something's there going on. And Scully is just like, look, we need to get to the airport. We have to get back. And if you want any chance of making your hearing, we need to be on the next plane out of here. And Mulder is like, I can't leave. Like, Max is a nomad. He's a guy who drives around. He lives in his trailer that's attached to his car. He could be anywhere. He travels around the country, you know, on a whim, basically. And what are the odds that he would be in this small town in Wisconsin on the same night that there's like this weird crash? And so he says that that's just too big of a coincidence. And if they've figured that out, Colonel Henderson has probably figured that out and Max might be in trouble. So he wants to go save Max. Gotta save Max, man. Come on, Scully. Yeah, come on, Scully. I mean, I love Scully. I do do get her in this episode. I do like her, but I do... Max is so cool. Save that guy. So she does give him the keys, and so they get in the car. He's like, like, you have the keys? And so she gives him the keys there. Right, so she does kind of go with Mulder. I'm gonna play... Tori in this episode and I really <laughs> love her trench coat yeah yeah I'm not a fan of the pantsuit she's wearing under that trench coat but I love the trench coat nice yeah earlier she was wearing one of those lapelless blazers when she was in the hospital and had to scrub up but she took her 
trench coat off and she was wearing one of those kind of things. Now she's wearing like the more standard, like, you know, pantsuit kind of thing. Yeah. Not necessarily a fan of, but love the trench coat. Very nice. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so we're at Lake Michigan waterfront dock seven. I really love the seagull sound effects. They are very soothing. <laughs> However, I do need to note because this is what I do because I'm ranty and I like details. Townsend, Wisconsin is about 60 miles from the nearest edge of Green Bay or Lake Michigan. And they were in Townsend, Wisconsin. And now Max is at the Lake Michigan waterfront, which is 60 miles away. He didn't drive there. So there's that. Also, when we're looking at the radar maps, where the impact is, is not where Townsend, Wisconsin is. It's actually closer to maybe like where Burlington, Wisconsin is, which is about 200 miles south of where Townsend, Wisconsin actually is, which is about southwest of Milwaukee and about 40 miles from the nearest Lake Michigan shore. Right. So where it impacts is actually closer to, it's very much like in, well, Townsend is very much like more like in northern Wisconsin, but where it impacts, it almost impacts like just outside of Milwaukee is where it impacts according yeah. to the radar map. But so. they couldn't evacuate Milwaukee for the show. I mean, not that they really no. evacuated, well, but also, like, I mean, that would have like been unbelievable. Con- <laughs> like in Conduit, right? They're in a real city in Conduit. They're in Sioux City, Iowa. But like the lake is like 100 miles away, I think, is what it was from Sioux City. Right. But yet it's like right there in Sioux City in the show. So even though they're using a real city, it's not really the real city they're using. Right. It's not necessarily the real towns in Wisconsin. Right. But anyway, love the seagull sound effects. Very soothing. So Max is walking on the docks and he's holding his ear and kind of talking about how like it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And his ear is bleeding. And then two soldiers pull up in a Jeep next to him. And they get on the phone and be like, we've got the person that's just a civilian. And he's like, I don't care. You need to get him now so they're they go to get him and it's like please don't do this and then we cut to Mulder and scully driving up on the jeep and there's no one there oh wait there is someone there there's some bodies on the ground and they're all burned up it's the soldiers max is gone burned soldiers so he warned them didn't work out very well they are on the opposite side of the Jeep from where they were, where Max was. So they need to get a new PA on the show. Or anyway. he knocked them off the other side. You are too generous. Anyway, <laughs> so they're like, oh, these men are dead. But then they hear a scream or a shout, something like, ah. And so Mulder gets up and he runs toward this warehouse because it sounded like Max. So Scully follows him and Max is like huddled in the warehouse and just like holding his ear. Like it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And he's saying like, they're, they're, they're coming f- for, from me. They're coming from me, which I would think maybe he'd be saying they're coming for me and not from me. And he is stammering a lot, but he is definitely saying from me. Okay. Whether that's just like a blown line or what he's, but he's saying they're coming from me in the episode. So anyway, the military, they come like Jeeps and big trucks and everything. Military is arriving. There's helicopters in the air and they are here for business. So Scully comes out, walks out to see what's going on, and they grab her. Boom. And they've got the dude with the infrared alpha team leader up on the roof. This alpha team is in position. And he's looking and he tells them, okay, I see three individuals inside. And we cut to Scully and she's like, what? 
three people. There should be only two people in there because I'm not in there anymore. And then they put some C4 on the big roll-up door because even though Scully came out like a side door, which is obviously not locked, they apparently plan to like blow this big door up to get inside. But Scully's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a little overkill. I mean, the building's clearly not locked up. It's like this unused warehouse or even if it's being used it's not like secured so they don't really need to blow their way in it's... yeah i mean i could you know you gotta do that shock and awe business right Ugh, and i guess and, and i could see where you wouldn't want to like you know bottleneck all your people going into a single door okay because true. if there was someone in there with like you know weapons boom boom, boom easy dumb you know 300 put your whole army through a narrow pass but i mean did they, they didn't even try like to roll the door up or anything they just like we're gonna blow this door up yeah stick on the c4 <laughs> so i mean we don't know they're gonna blow the door up but they are putting c4 i mean on we it. know they probably so, are gonna blow the door up. Uh, well, well we haven't seen it i mean they might be like no you know we're gonna you know scully's <laughs> right what are we doing this is what are we doing with our lives anyway <laughs> so what do they do so after they report that there are like three forms in the building scully's like that's not true there's only two she doesn't really tell them that but she's clearly confused by that and then we cut to inside, and Mulder is trying to help Max, and Max is, like, begging Mulder not to let them take him, and Mulder's like, I'll get you out of here, but then we get the invisible POV again, and it, <gasps> yeah, and it slams into Max, and it sends Mulder flying, and then when he kind of gets up and dusts himself off, Max isn't where he was, so Mulder's looking around, trying to find him, and then he sees Max... And he's suspended in midair, and he's surrounded by this glowing blue light. And he's kind of shaking, like he's seizing, but the light is holding him. It's kind of hard to tell what's going on. But he's just like hanging there, surrounded by this light, and then it gets super bright, and it does that like flash to white thing that it's been doing all episode. Mm. Yeah. So there were three people in there, if an alien is a people. Right, yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> So apparently Max was, or the actor who played Max was suspended by thin piano wires to kind of keep him in the air without CGI, which is kind of cool. Yeah. This is where like, so the official guy to the X-Files, the guy who actually talked to Chris Carter, says it was to do this scene without using any post-production effects, which is wrong because they put like digital blue light all over him. Right. And then they had like some digital like, flashing going on too during the scene and it doesn't look good yeah again less is more like him being suspended like practical effects awesome use the wire to hold him up right he's doing the season thing they've got all the bright light shining on him they do the flashy stuff which is practical that would have been fine we didn't need like the blue light that looks not so great i don't know i'm just like less is more guys quit spending so much freaking money like you're having budget issues spend less money so yeah i don't know i didn't mind it i didn't think it looked that bad but okay. i'm just you know i'm aware that they're spending too much money and i'm trying <laughs> to help them so you might need a time machine to get that yeah effect, well you know but... <laughs> yeah i'll happily do it because yeah that money could have been used for something else anyway yeah Mulder got lucky though because everyone else who has been around the aliens gets barbecued and Mulder doesn't yeah I think it was focused on Max yeah so he just Max doesn't out. get barbecued either no Max vanishes which we'll find out yeah. in a minute 
But yeah, and then we find out that Alpha Team is basically an Alpha Team leader because he's like clearly the only guy on the roof. Right. Like team is secure, and then we find out it's just like one guy with a monocular, like looking and saying that there's people in the thing. So on that, we cut back outside, and Alpha Team leader is like, "Oh, now there's only one person inside," and they're like, "What?" So then they blow the doors open. Cool Michael Bay explosion. And then they run in and they're running up. No one actually likes like grabs Mulder. Cause Mulder's like, oh, Max is gone. He finds Max Nightcap hat and he's holding it. And the colonel's like, where is he? Where is he? And Mulder's like, they got to him first. They beat us, Colonel, in your face. He doesn't say <laughs> the in your face part, but that's what he meant. So yeah, but Max is gone. Yeah. Just left his hat. Oh, Max. I'm glad Mulder picked it up because when because when he's in the light, right, which is a really good effect. I just think they just overdid it. They could have saved some money, and you know, but he doesn't have his hat on. His hat's gone, and so I'm like, oh, his hat's got to be there somewhere. And so yeah, Mulder finds it. Yeah. So I'm happy. Yeah, I'm glad he got his hat. Yeah. I'm sad he's gone, but that's you know it yeah. is what it is. Well. Abductees return. They do. They do. Yeah. Uh, so then we come. I mean, Mulder's sister hasn't, but you know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what happened to maybe, her. Maybe, maybe she'll show up with Max, and they like got married on a UFO, and are happy, and they have a little Mulder, <laughs> and who knows? <laughs> I mean, I we'll see. Fan what fiction, apparently. So. Anyway. <laughs> so then we cut to FBI headquarters, and it is. The Office of Professional Responsibility here? You're still thinking about that little Mulder. No, I'm not. Max I'm and Sam sitting in a tree. The K-I-S-S-I-N-T. Office of Professional Responsibility hearing doesn't sound like a real thing. I guess um, it wouldn't be a tree. It would be a UFO. Anyway, sorry. I'll that's okay. So it is 1017, which means that they got there like 15 minutes late somehow. Yeah, day I four. I, I don't know how they got back in time. Like, they must Maybe gotten... Henderson was so like get these people out of here. He Maybe. like just like fly them. Get yeah, rid of them. he might have like yeah that that would explain it because otherwise I don't think they could have. But yeah, anyway, they got one of those supersonic planes from Deep Throat and be like took them. Yeah. Uh, so they're at the FBI headquarters and Scully's being questioned about Mulder's movements in Wisconsin and about like why he went there. And they are at a super long table. It is kind of awkward. And I'm sure it's set up that way on purpose, like to yeah. make her feel insecure. Or whatever. Note everyone, she's reading my note addendum that says they are at a super long table. Uh, it is a so. super long table. <laughs> um, and so Scully tries to make a statement in Mulder's favor and they won't let her. They don't want to hear it. They basically dismiss her and they're kind of rude about it. And so she goes outside and Mulder is waiting for his turn. He's on crutches. Which I feel like I missed something because I don't know. Well, where... he was limping when he got up because okay. like when the, when the alien like instead threw of barbecuing him? him threw him across the warehouse. Yeah. He like landed on like a pile of pallets and stuff. I guess and maybe so, I didn't really notice. He, that was, he kind was kind of, of limping yeah, around. he was kind of limping when he was like getting Max's yeah. hat. So. But now he's on crutches and he has like so they've obviously had time to go to a doctor or something. I don't know how this worked. Maybe they discovered yeah. time travel. Well, what day? 
well, are we still in day three at that point? So this I, is like a whole nother day. And so they're actually a day late for the meeting. Maybe they track. rescheduled it. I don't know. But None anyway. None of our little headlines actually have, I don't think any of our headlines actually have a day three. We get a day one and a day two, and now we get a day four. Yeah, we'd have to go back and count. So okay. Mulder's outside. So. He's on crutches. And Scully wishes him luck. And he says he'll break a leg. And ha. Because <laughs> apparently he has a broken leg. Yeah, and he stands up without the crutches. And which, then like, but, but then won't put his foot down. Yeah. So. Which, I mean, when I broke my leg, I could like move around on my leg. You just weren't supposed to. So yeah. I'm that, not sure that it's almost like his leg isn't really hurt. Like he might be acting. I don't think so. Well, I mean, David Duchovny is. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. But as someone who's had a broken leg like that, I could definitely move without the crutches. It's just, you weren't supposed to. Yeah. That was um. a joke, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so Scully opens a newspaper and she sees an article that says the toxic cleanup in Wisconsin was a success. Yay. Yay! And she's so- kind of not happy with that. She kind of like, oh, and just like folds paper and put it to jail. Well, right. And cause like, she knows that's crap. Like she doesn't know what happened, but obviously, I don't know. I think she's more on. I mean, she's on Mulder's side. I really do think she is. I think she's just. Yeah, this is this is the second guy being suspended in the air that she's missed. Yeah, she does, and uh, I know that this is on purpose because they need her to be the skeptic, and so they can't let her see like definitive proof. So yeah. it's like a story thing. But I think she is more on Mulder's side than even now than is completely obvious. Like I think, it, and I know that that will grow as the season does and as the show does, but. So Mulder goes in, he sits down, and he's accused of insubordination, and he didn't get permission for this trip, clearly. He just kind of went. And Mulder's like, you know, screw this stuff. Like, a dozen people are dead, and you're yelling at me for, like, breaking quarantine. And they're like, well, you put yourself and others at risk of toxic contamination. And Mulder's like, he keeps trying to argue his point. He's like, well, I have x-rays from where max was in the hospital and it showed an implant behind his ear now max is vanished and like they're like whatever Mulder. and i guess their official story is that max's body was found two hours later yeah he has a report from henderson that says they found his body right so, so we don't know if that's true or not we don't know so we don't know if max is dead or if you know whatever Mulder doesn't seem to think it's true and he says that like they can't contain this too many other people know what's happening Yep. He actually says no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. And this dude who is Section Chief McGrath, right. that we actually find out in just a moment, we actually finally find out what his name is. But at the moment, we don't. He is like going full on stroke during this meeting with Mulder. Oh, yeah. It's like he's he's going to like, yeah, it's like he's going to have a heart attack. He is so like, just like you, you expect him just to blow up. You could tell he's just like, like this should be like, the, like if it was a cartoon, you'd have that little vein, like all bing, 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 bing during the thing like his eye would be getting all big but it's not a cartoon so it's not but he told yeah. me he's gonna have a stroke scully has like a weird eye tick when she's giving her testimony which is really effective but it's kind of weird and i don't know that you could fake that and when i went back to look at the whole medical stuff she actually has it in that first meeting with blevins as well so hmm. i do think it a little weird though because she's like totally like the protocol person right so she's asked if she can give a statement and they're like no, but then she gives one anyway. Yeah, she so tries. Kinda like, they kind of cut like, her off, but... Yeah. So anyway, we then cut to Section Chief McGrath is like hurriedly walking down some hallway outside. Doesn't look really happy. And he walks up to someone and is like, 
why did you override our decision? We could have finally got rid of the X-Files. Why did you do this? We could have gotten rid of Mulder. And we find out that the guy he's talking to is Deep Throat. Oh my gosh, Deep Throat. Yep, so Deep Throat <laughs> saved the day. Woo! X-Files, X-Files. Anyway, Deep Throat says that Mulder's insubordination is less dangerous than if he was out there loose and could become associated with the wrong people. Everyone's watching out for Mulder. Like, Scully doesn't want him to lose his job. Deep Throat doesn't want him hanging out with the wrong people. Right. He's afraid that he could take all the information he has and give it to people who might do something. Although I don't know who would do something. Well, I think the thinking is that, like, while Mulder's at the FBI, he still has some oversight and they still have some control Mm. over, like, what he does. Like, obviously not a ton because he doesn't always listen. But, like, if they cut him loose and fire him, then he can join one of these groups that, like, Max was with or someone else and, you know, do, like, these kinds of investigations on his own. And then they have no way of, like, trying to control him. So I think that's Deep Throat's thinking. Yeah. And so then we find out for sure that was McGrath because Deep Throat says, you know, I don't know if he calls him McGrath. I can't. I don't think he uses a title. I think he just says McGrath. You need to keep your enemies close. Right. So that means Mulder is an enemy. Is he? Is he? We don't know we thought, anything about Deep Throat. We thought Deep Throat was a good guy, and then we thought he was a bad guy, and then now we think he's a good guy, and now he might be a bad guy. It's almost like he's ambiguous, and he we don't know if he's good or bad. Very ambiguous. I totally, I totally thought this was going to be the cigarette smoking man. Like, because at first you don't really see him; you just see like an arm. But it makes more sense that it's Deep Throat because cigarette smoking man, I think, is more, more less ambiguously evil. <laughs> Also, I don't think the cigarette smoking man would have been wearing a gray suit. True. He does tend to wear black. Yeah. So, this episode. This was the episode that Deep Throat should have been. Oh, my gosh. This episode was so good. Like, it was so good. And it was one of those things where I don't know how much of it is just nostalgia or how much of it is just like this episode is really good. I think it's a combination, but it just, it was like, this is the X-Files that I love. This is what I love. I love it so much. I was so excited. I, I watched it on Wednesday and I could not wait. Like three, it's been three days and I haven't, I've been so excited to talk about it because I just love it so much. Yes. <laughs> and my role here is to be nitpicky and whatever, but that was a, it, yes, it was a, as much as I made little details and did it and they should have done this. Right. Done this. No, this is a very, 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 very good episode. Yeah. I mean, there are issues, but it's yeah. overall. Well, like said, this good. is definitely what Deep Throat should have been. Yes. Exactly. Like, it's and awesome. I, it's what Deep Throat actually could have been as well. And we talked about that in that episode. But, yeah. But before we get all lovey-dovey, I got to be Krabby Abby one more time here and get back to the whole less is more thing. So they literally hired a dancer to wear, and I quote, an orange-colored humped-back, big-headed, webbed-arm, pointy-butted outfit with a bicycle hat, her arms pinned back, humped over, and stuffed with pillows, end quote, to run around on set as the alien that we actually never see so they would have something to digitally erase to create the creature. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that might be more for the other actor's benefit. So Serious. That nowhere. Then they could have just had an actor. Yeah, it's true. That does seem a little excessive. Yeah. So, dude, that is inefficient. But it's, it's, it's work for a local actor. Oh, my God. I guess. A local dancer. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm done being nitpicky. You guys need to spend <laughs> less money. Stop trying to do so much. Just less. Less yeah. is more. Okay? Less is more. And, like, the one thing I don't really like about this episode is the fact that they flirt with that whole someone with mental illness is unreliable trope. And they do kind of subvert it because it's not Max who's claiming all these ridiculous things. It's Mulder. But, uh, you know, that is always one of those things where it's like, come on, guys. I mean, I know it was the 90s, and but still, it's one of those things that you see in media all the time, and it just, it always sucks. So I'm glad yeah. they kind of subverted it, but I kind of wish it just didn't exist. Yeah. But anyway, so enough negativity. Yeah, mostly, no, this episode was amazing. Mostly for me, but yes. So <laughs> if it was so amazing, Tori... What are you going to give it? Oh, my gosh. So I've actually been thinking about this for like three days. Um, <laughs> no, because it's so good. And like, I don't know. It was, it's so funny because when I watched the pilot, I definitely had that weird, like transported back into like this thing that you just love mm-hmm. so much. And like, it's just, it's just like, I'm just ecstatic. It makes me so happy. And this episode was exactly the same. Like I watched it and I was like, this is, this is everything. This is the X-Files. This is the show that I was obsessed with. This is what I love. And I just want to like hug it. <laughs> like I love it so much. It's yeah, this one definitely episode. has that same as like the pilot where like, like I said, like before Max showed up, I had the mental image in my head of like what it's going to look like. And it was him. Like, right. That was stuck in there. So. And his nightcap hat. And like, I don't know. It was just so. And the alien story and like Mulder and Scully fighting against the bureaucracy to keep the x-files and like i really do think that this is also a good point in their relationship where scully is like actively trying to get Mulder to play along because she thinks it will help him and it's not because she's trying to like keep him from finding aliens it's just that she doesn't want him to lose his job she doesn't want to lose her position with him she wants to keep going yeah, so I almost cool. want to say that maybe this would have been a good second episode. Oh, yeah. Except, I don't know that Scully would be so invested in right. saving everything. That would be the only problem I think I would have. Because like I said, it does seem like her character in this episode is very much more related to her first act character in mm-hmm. Pilot. Because she softens a little bit in Pilot, right? Obviously, like, she doesn't, like, suddenly flip and become, like, you know, Mulder <laughs> number two. But, like, there is, there is, like, a character, like, development kind of thing going on in the pilot. And then that's kind of continued. And she seemed to have gotten, like, more and more Mulderish as we've gone. Just a little bit, like, more and more accepting of the fact that Mulder does what he does. And there may be more than meets the eye, even though it's not Transformers. But whereas this one is that sudden, like, nope, we're doing this. And you need to stop screwing around. And so that's where... But yeah, I do, aside from that little bit of like, why would she be so invested in the X-Files and protecting Mulder, this maybe would have been a good one to maybe even introduce Deep Throat, right? Right. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's got Max, it's got the nightcap hat, it's got like weird alien crash, government hiding the truth, like it's everything the X-Files is. So I think, I, I've been toying, I've been going back and forth, but I, I think I'm going to give it a nine. I think I am. Ooh, nine. I okay. love it as much as the pilot, and it made me so happy, and I just, I love it. <laughs> but you don't love it more than the pilot. I think it's, I think it and the pilot are on par for like, Solid quality Alien X File episodes. Okay, because you get Pilot Nine. I so. did. I did get. That's why okay. I was debating if I wanted to go that high. Ooh. But I do. I do. Did you contemplate high. going higher at any point, or were you like, "Do I want to go as high?" Was it like, "Do I want to go higher?" Or was it, "I do want to go." Do I want to go? I as think it high? was more the like, "Do I want to go as like I." Okay. I would consider giving it a 10, but I feel like, again, I got to hold that 10 back for something that really blows my brain. And then when it's all over, you're going to be like, I waited for the 10 and it never arrived. You know, maybe. There might be a point where I'm like, why didn't I just give those a 10? But anyway, <laughs> right now it's a 9. But yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes. Probably my favorite so far, except for the pilot. Like, it's so good. Okay. What about you? What are you going to rate this? I'm going to give it a nine. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. So, yes. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's definitely a very solidly done episode. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. No hedging, no stalling. Nine. Nice. Boom. I liked it a lot. Yes. As I said, it is kind of my job to be the nitpicky, crabby, crabby person. <laughs> so, I have to do my job. But yes, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And much like yourself, it was like, it, it brought back a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely that like, yay, back in the 90s yay. and the X-Files. And so, I did hint at the fact that we aren't going to see ratings this low again. So, we may be on the uptick. I think so. I think we had a couple where they were playing around with things and I think now it's going to be more like they've kind of found their footing and they're going to keep going up. Yeah. And I'm going to say something here that may be incorrect or may be very correct and is going to ruin the next episode for everybody. But our next episode is actually when I think of the X-Files it's the episode that I always remember. Yeah. And I think it might have been my favorite episode. Oh, nice. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds true. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think of Eve, the next episode's Eve, and I think about it a lot because it is, I was talking to my mom this morning, and that is definitely one of the ones I had on VHS and I watched like a billion times. And my mom's like, yeah, okay. I don't really remember any plots. I just remember watching it every week. And then I remember you guys had tapes. And I was like, yes, we did. We had <laughs> lots of tapes and we watched them all the time. Yes. So, yeah. So we'll, so we'll say the details, what it's about. It is called Eve. Yes. So it's going to be about the Bible. And <laughs> I said I wasn't going to tell you guys, but I did. Sorry, I blew it. It's going to be about the Bible. And we'll talk about it. And one last thing, in the unofficial X-Files companion, they do recommend that people keep an eye out for Max's hat, his nightcap hat, because apparently it keeps making appearances throughout the series. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. So you didn't want to hold that close so we could just look super smart later. You had to just tell everybody. Okay, I see how it is. All right. <laughs> well, we're, you know, that way Fine. if they're watching along, they can keep their eyes out too. 
trying to make us look good. <laughs> just, all right, fine. But we'll we'll try and point it out if we see it. And if you see it, you should let us know. Yeah. So, I want to rewatch this hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Research for this episode includes X-Files Confidential, the unauthorized X-Files Compendium by Ted Edwards. The unofficial X-Files Companion by Annie Genge. X marks the spot on location with the X-Files by Louisa Granitzer and Todd Pitson. And... The Truth is Out There, the official guide to the X-Files by Brian Lowry. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch or wherever podcasts are found. Or simply head over to I want to rewatch.com. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at rewatch X files and on Instagram where I want to rewatch. You can also email us at I want to rewatch at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch. And as always, you can share this podcast with a friend if you know someone who likes The X-Files. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 11, Eve, which is not about the Bible. <laughs> and try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still out there. there. You can always share this podcast with a friend. Sorry. <laughs> my cat was coming over. I knew he was going to start making noise. <laughs> and I just started laughing. Because I'm like, my cat is totally just going to interrupt us right here. Oh, my goodness. We've got enough of this. It's fine. We can go. <laughs> We're done. All the rest of this is stuff we already have. So He's like, hey, hey, I gave you some time. Now it's time. Yeah. It is, it is exactly eight minutes and 53 seconds after five. Where is my food? Yeah. <laughs>